Welcome back to the Bromar Show. I am your host, Bromar. And in this episode, we will be talking about the state and the future of the restaurants here in downtown Indianapolis. A lot of articles have been writing about this. We'll talk about that here just coming up. And I'll also share my overall experience and viewpoint in regards to the COVID slash pandemic here in the U.S., We'll talk about that here also just coming up. But first, we're going to talk about the biggest finesse of 2020. So starting November 6th, people will now be able to purchase a bundle pack consisting of the Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield base game, as well as that game's corresponding expansion pass. Now, this bundle pack contains the same game content you would receive by purchasing either Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield physical or downloadable versions and the corresponding expansion pass separately. <laughs> All included software comes preloaded on a single game card. So basically what they're trying to say here is that Game Freak and the Pokemon company did everybody dirty on this. <laughs> I'll explain. So in 2019, Pokemon Sword and Shield were released for sale around the same time. Uh, close to Black Friday. And yeah, it was basically a big deal because a lot of Pokemon were cut off from the Pokedex. And I mean, that essentially was like the big thing of a main series Pokemon game is that they have all the Pokemon that have been released throughout the years, throughout the games, and they pretty much just kind of add to it, right? So they release these games and they pretty much just slash the Pokedex and say, okay, uh, these Pokemon will not be included here, 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 and etc. And... It became like a huge mess because then a couple months later, they announced that they will do a DLC slash expansion pass in which they could now obtain Pokemon from previous generations that apparently weren't announced to be released on the game, but they somehow find a way to put the code for those. So now you have to pay basically for a full Pokedex, but they didn't even release the full Pokedex on a DLC. And yeah, they came up with the expansion pass, right? In which, again, you pay a certain amount to obtain. And then about a year later, ha, just kidding, guys. Uh, here is the full game right here in its entirety. The full version. No more extra downloads, all that mess. And I can't think of any other game that has done that. I mean, all I know is there's games that they release and then they have a DLC for this, a DLC for that. Like, you know, Grand Theft Auto. It's a good example. Or Red Dead Redemption. That's another good example. They put DLCs for the online stuff and etc. And that pretty much is about it. Now, perhaps Grand Theft Auto is going to do it too for the PS5 because they announced their remastered, their PS5 version of the game. Yeah, they really are milking it. And perhaps that's going to be the full game, including all the online stuff. And same thing with Red Dead Online. Maybe they're looking into it. But so far, I haven't heard of a game that has released all the DLC. And then after they released the DLC, they released a full-on completed game. Like, this is just straight up dirty. I'm so glad I did not buy these games this year because they did not appeal to me. And in fact, it just, it wasn't the same as... When I even even when I played the newest games, like I would say Pokemon Black, Pokemon White, or even Pokemon Sun and Moon. Like it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, this is the biggest one of the biggest finesses of this year is hey, we'll release this game plus an expansion pass that you can download and pay 
and then next year we'll release the full game that includes the expansion pass and etc. So, <laughs> damn, that has got to be really dirty. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so I want to talk about this topic because it applies here on a local level, and there has been several articles about how here in downtown Indy, which is Indianapolis, a lot of restaurants may not be able to survive through the end of the year because the foot traffic, it's not as optimal as it was in order for them to survive. And most of it is because people are still working from home and some businesses, even though they have opened up and are easing restrictions, they are still making people work from home because it is a lot cheaper. They're saving money on overhead costs, on bills, utility bills, light bills, office supplies, etc. And so only maybe security and just really essential, crucial employees are allowed in those buildings. And so I guess the main thing here is that in order for the businesses here downtown to get back to normal, they're going to need people to start coming to work in those buildings. They need to stop working from home and there's a little bit of a, uh, yeah, conflict here because some businesses have realized that it's a lot cheaper to make people work from home. And employees can also agree that it's a lot better, especially those that don't like to interact with their coworkers. This is perfect for them. Along with that, those that have kids, that have family, it really benefits them because now they can watch the kids without having to worry about a babysitter or all this mess. So, to some extent, this becomes a really huge convenience for both the businesses and the employees. And therefore, that's why some businesses are hesitant to making people come back to work because they've seen how much money they've saved and they still were able to get back to close to almost normal revenue. And with these restaurants, depending on the foot traffic downtown, it's a lot harder for them to survive there because a lot of the people there are working from home. And knowing that conventions have been canceled, and I think the only thing that's helping them right now is the Colts being in the playoffs. And so they can go to restaurants on Sundays, but that's pretty much about it. So I believe the Indiana Restaurant and Lodge Association has said that they need to at least get back to work. They need to get back into those buildings in order for these restaurants to thrive back to normal at least or as close as possible in order for them to survive. But I don't know if that really is happening. And I want to say it could be possible, but like I said, this really opened a lot of eyes for some people because now they just realize that, oh my gosh, we have advanced so far in technology that anything can be available to us at any time. Because people from home, how are they getting their lunch now? Well, either A, the meal prep, and even if they don't have time to meal prep, they can now order delivery. They can have their groceries delivered home. They can have their food delivered home. And even better, they don't even have to interact with the delivery person. They can just say, hey, just leave it outside my porch and it's all good. Seriously, I've actually got into um, the food delivery thing just recently and just to see what's up. And it looks like there is plenty of opportunity and there might be more. Even though a shutdown may not happen, what I can tell you is people have now awakened and realized how convenient they have it today. So another key point I would like to make here about the restaurants is that they can actually still survive. They can. 
Now, I don't know their financial situation exactly. I'm not sure if they're able to take out another loan or if they can make enough money to invest in this, but one thing they can do is adapt to like a delivery slash to-go system because knowing that a lot of people working from home, this could be an opportunity to get them back somehow. They won't be eating or dining in, but this is another way to retain their customer base. Later on, I'm also going to talk about just specifically how COVID has changed the atmosphere. And I guess I'll just go on overall experience because depending on how the election goes, we could be reopening up soon altogether and they're going to release the vaccine. And it looks like because of the foot traffic, a decrease in foot traffic, people working from home, it has affected a lot of businesses downtown. But these businesses can also perhaps adapt to a new strategy, and that is to make it exclusively to go. Now, I'm not sure if they're doing this. This is just me assuming, but I think that could be a little bit more of an optimal plan. So I don't know how it's looking for downtown, at least. And perhaps other downtown cities are facing the same issue. I'm not sure. So I would say COVID has exposed the good and the bad of some people. I mean, most of the experience came from just working in a restaurant. You know, just seeing how people really felt so entitled to a lot of things. Because before COVID, I mean, hey, they could talk all the shit they want and treat the staff however they wanted, right? And then, of course, they shut down, made it exclusively to go. It was a little bit more difficult for them because along that same line, they had different staff. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So before COVID, when people were dining in, a lot of uh, the staff were waiters and waitresses, right? And then the shutdown hit. And a lot of waiters and waitresses were laid off or at least furloughed because, I mean, we can't let people dine in. So they made the thing exclusively. They made the restaurant exclusively to go. Now, we already had staff designed for to-go orders and all that, right? Delivery. Way before COVID. And they pretty much were the only ones that were considered essential and kept their jobs because they were just like, oh, you know, like this is. um, This is kind of weird. I mean, even after pandemic, they still want us here. (laughs) So, yeah. Essentially, at first, it was kind of a slow start. It was really glim and don't know exactly what. Essentially, at first, it was really glim and didn't know exactly what was going to happen. But then things backed up and a certain routine got settled. And they didn't realize that the to-go people had a different type of mentality. They were essentially more like cooks. Because they only just, hey, you want to order some food? Sure, we'll make your food. We'll bring it in, whatever. takes about... 20-25 minutes and then we'll just bring it back up here to you or to your car whatever helps and that was it we weren't really going out of our way you know working for a tip because we were paid hourly so that was like a whole different culture we were used to just 
Like, telling it how it really is. Compared to being a waitress, I'm not sure if this is what they do. But you kind of have to sugarcoat things, really make it a very pleasant experience for the guests. Make them feel like they're home. Compared when it's to go, I mean, they're just here to pick up and leave. So, they're not necessarily here for, like, to stay. They're just here for the food. So, all that matters to them, I would say, is the food. And that they get it correctly, all that mess, etc. And so, I mean, we didn't have a lot of Karens come in here and deal with it because, first of all, we were always ready to fight, always ready to throw down. And along with that, I mean, they didn't have any other staff to replace because we were the only ones there available. And they couldn't afford to lose anyone at that point. <laughs> I mean, maybe they could have, but not really. So then once things reopened back up, now it's like they were expecting things normal. In which that wasn't the case. And now they're back again treating the staff like crap. Especially their waiters and waitresses. And they're treating them way worse than they used to before with the pandemic. And from my point of view, all I know is that if it's done with the to-go staff or the cooks, we can fight back sometimes. And we're we're pretty smart and sassy about it too, and we're just like, okay, what are you gonna do about it? Like, we put it to a manager because that manager is dealing with another Karen right now, so you're gonna have to wait in line. And <laughs> they all end up leaving to file a report and gets ignored. <laughs> so I would say that this pandemic really turned it as close to the wild wild west as it could. Because it's like, oh, so you want, you feel entitled to treating us like crap. Well, okay, we feel entitled to do that too. Oh, you didn't like that? Oh, I see how it is. Well, you know, just dip out and don't come back. All right, like we got plenty of other Karens to assist here. Or we can all just knock them out at once to say, we don't want you Karens here. We want nicer people here. We want their money, <laughs> not yours. Really ballsy thing to say during a pandemic because, I mean, clearly we needed the money. All right. So that's from speaking from a restaurant point of view. It's that a lot of people had gotten ballsier, even some staff. Not sure if it's with waiters or waitresses, but hey, other staff that get paid hourly, they've you know, they're ready to fight. Yeah. Well, at least I am. So now comes with as a whole society. Because we've had this technology before the pandemic. We could work from home. Have food delivered to us. Even groceries. But now that this pandemic happened, people were more exposed to it. And they were just like, Yo, this is really convenient. Maybe this is a uh, man. This is essentially like me just going home and not socializing, except I get an eight full hours to do that, and I'm making money out of it. <laughs> and then, yeah, people realize that this specific situation is what they always wanted. You know, they wanted to work from home and stay home, right? 
and along with that to have food delivered to them. So basically now they're in a point in time where they could literally have anything handed to them right in their hands, like literally. They could have anything handed to them. Now, I'm not saying like in the sense of money and stimulus check, but like, let's just say you want groceries. You have someone delivered those to you and even have the option to not even interact with the person. Just tell them to drop them at the porch and it's all done. Even with food. I think even Postmates. And what's even crazier is there's more technology coming out to make life even more convenient. I believe there's talks about Amazon releasing a just tiny little camera drone that has the technology to sense objects and obstacles so it could just freely roam around the house. And it's like, it's basically like having your little portable butler or robot, whatever the case may be. It's just a little security camera. And it's like for 200 and something dollars, I believe is the price. Which, look, I know it's pricey, but think about it. This is a tiny little drone that can move around the house freely and has high technology, like state-of-the-art technology that can sense any obstacles, objects. So it's like, oh, I don't want to bump into here. Oh, look, here's a little easy route right here. Uh, Ta-da, I'm there. It's crazy how we have come in regards to technology. It's literally insane. And I remember I even had to talk with OK So Podcast in a previous episode about how technology even has affected our social lives. Like, well, you know, yeah, uh, we don't get to see all the body language or the tonality. Like, yeah, we don't get to see the body language or the tonality of people's voices when we text or message. But at the same time, it's kind of one of those things that you really can't fret about because it's like, okay, I send the message and it's going to take them a while to respond. So you kind of just wait it out and don't worry about it. And then, you know, seven hours later, eight hours later, etc. Or it can even be very instant. It's just so flexible with time in regards to the conversation. And that just makes people realize it's like, you know, I really don't have to go out and socialize with people. Like, I can just shoot them a message. I, I probably don't even need to talk. Well, maybe a little bit if you use text to speech or speech to text. Well, maybe a little bit if you use text to speech. But that's pretty much about it. Like, there really isn't a lot of um, kind of work when it comes to texting. I mean, just thinking about things, yeah, but that's about it. You don't have to pay attention to any social cues or any body language, any voice changes, just reading and writing. And you can just tell that this has opened a lot of eyes to just how convenient it is nowadays for people to get what they want. So, yeah, COVID definitely opened a lot of eyes to people. 
All right, so that's going to do it for me now. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you follow The Bromar Show on Instagram, which is at The Bromar Show. We also have an official Bromar Show page in which you can go and visit at bromarmedia.home.blog. I post in some articles here and there, and you can also tune in to the most recent episode of The Bromar Show. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you enjoyed the content, make sure you go ahead and share with your friends and let people know about the Bromar Show. I think it's time to spread the word around. And honestly, it's just for entertainment purposes most of the time. And sometimes I do provide some important information that you should know. But for a majority of the time, because it is COVID, I think it matters more and more and more that, well, people just have some way to escape their current reality because let's face it, this could be the new normal for uh, until election day, maybe. (laughs) So we'll go ahead and push through and thanks again for listening and until next time.